time of Reagan and before the rise of Seagal, Snipes, and Van Damme, there was an age undreamed of. Unto this land came Arnold the Austrian. He was a barbarian, a demigod, a killer robot from the future, and he was destined to wear the crown of Hollywood upon a troubled brow. It is only his chroniclers, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran, who can tell you of his legend. This is his saga. Podcast de la Vista, baby. So this is it, Casey. This is the culmination of nearly four decades of waiting. (laughs) Finally, a team-up between the two cinematic titans and or rivals... Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. I thought this was how Arnold got his groove back. I thought that's what this movie was. Uh, I, I know I didn't. I don't have to tell you, but I'm still not sure we got that Arnold Stallone team up that we were no, promised. No, but I will say that one of my greatest fears and nightmares is being incarcerated. But I think if I were incarcerated with Arnold Schwarzenegger, it would probably be the best years of my life, I would say. Right? Or the worst. I don't know. Oh, so of course we are talking about uh, 2013's Escape Plan, directed, of course, by, I'm going to butcher the Swedish name pronunciation. Halfstrom? Yeah, uh, Michael Halfstrom? Yeah. Mikael Halfstrom? Yeah. Uh, of course, he did uh, Derailed with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Clive Owen, Evil, Drowning Ghost, and a screenplay by Miles Chapman, who's best. Credit I can find is the direct to DVD Roadhouse Two Last Call. Yeah, <laughs> and yes. and Jason Keller, who's the executive producer of A Good Day to Die Hard, and even he wrote this under a pseudonym. Oh wow! I'm going to try not to read too much into that. Yes, yeah. Isn't a pseudonym like a an anagram of his name? It is. Yeah. He just swaps it around. It's I don't clever. know if it's just like this is the what I want to be when I'm a writer, or I think this is garbage and I want to distance myself. The latter. I mean, the fact that I found out who it really was. He didn't do a very good job uh, covering his tracks because I mean, I found this out on Wikipedia. No, no. So of course uh, we are joined uh, by our longtime friend uh, on this episode, father of three, droid builder, and friend of the show, Mister Todd Maxfield Matsumoto. Always fun to be here, guys. Hey, been, Todd. Thanks yeah. for coming, man. It's been way too long yeah. since we've had you on one of our shows. I, I think it's the I think Todd being on the Arnold panel that we did for Radio vs. the Martians, which was my first panel, was inspiration for us starting this whole series, this whole continued Arnold Podcast de la Vista series. So you, we have that to thank you for, Todd. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. So, Todd, one of the first things we ask people when they're on our show for the first time is, could you recap us a little bit with your history with the movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and are you a fan of the guy? Yeah. I mean, I grew up with um, Schwarzenegger just like the rest of us, um, but as a kid, I was always more of a Stallone fan. You know, you had Rocky, and I was a Rambo kid. Um Schwarzenegger, you know, some of his earlier flicks, um, you know, Conan was something I wasn't supposed to see, right? Because, you know, there were boobs. I still feel (laughs) like I was a little too young to watch that for our episode. (laughs) (laughs) But of course I saw it before too long anyway, um, and and loved it. But then you're writing to Conan the Destroyer and, you know, so (laughs) you understand. Um, But, you know, really once Terminator came out and then, of course, Predator, and I think I've said before that... um, I think Predator is the quintessential action film. Mm-hmm. Everything is in the shadow of Predator, in my opinion, including even Aliens, which is oh wow, wow. yeah. So bold statement. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I'm throwing it out there. 
Uh, in any case, um, Schwarzenegger and my fan growing up, um, you know, I really liked some of those films that I just mentioned, but there were so many, like we were talking before the show about Rod Deal. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of really shitty, uh, Schwarzenegger films out there. And, um, you know, the way that he would say his one liners, um, it started to symbolize for me the, the sort of thing I didn't like about action films. Um, but now, as an adult, when I go back and watch, he just seems to be having a great time in a lot oh, of those flicks, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I far prefer him in most films to Stallone. Um, so I count myself as a Schwarzenegger fan, and as a human being, um, <laughs> not just Which... an actor, but as a human being, I've grown to be more of a fan of Arnold as he seems to have gotten older. I think that hmm. you know, there certainly seems to have been a lot in his uh, in his past where I would count him as somewhat of a piece of shit. <laughs> Just and, a wee bit. Right, just a wee bit. <laughs> but I think particularly um, after retiring from public service, I, I think he's done some interesting things and said some things that I think are, um, that I don't necessarily disagree with. And it seems mm. like he's got a decent head on his shoulders at this point in his life and probably not much to lose. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely happier these days. Seems um, that way. He seems to be in a good place, sort of emotionally. It seems like he's owned up to a lot of those piece of shit things that he's done. <laughs> right. And he's kind of the, the Jimmy Carter of action movie governors. This, Perfect. Like his, yeah, his, he like, is. Post-governorship, he's just kind of like been re-embraced by everybody, and he's sort of like, you know what? Maybe when I was in office, it wasn't so great, but you kind of love me now. You love the stuff I'm doing. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, he uh, he he failed better, right? He he came back to he he returned home and decided that his failure as a politician meant that he should go back to doing the thing that he actually was good at doing, right? Oh, yeah. Not that he was terrible at being a governor. It's just that I don't know. He was vulnerable. Maybe it's impossible. Maybe it's an impossible task to be a muscle-bound, uh, steroid-using uh, governor of a the largest economic state in the United States of America. I don't know. Well, it is a I tough think, state. And, yeah. and furthermore, um, he was a Republican governor, right? Yeah. Of a very Democratic state. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, was far more left-leaning as a, as a governor than, let's say, President Clinton was as a president. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, so I think he was in a really interesting spot. He was in way. an uphill battle, obviously. obviously. Always going to be the, the entire way. But, yes, he just decided to leave it behind and give us such beautiful... Now, this came out in the same year as Last Stand. Yes. But I think Last Stand came out first. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. So this, this is, this is this, his time that he's really back. It's not just a cameo. Right. It's not just a guest appearance. Right. Though it feels that way sometimes. Um, if you consider Expendables 2 to be still be a cameo, yeah. he's in that movie more than the first one, but he's not a main character no. by any stretch. No, he's not really part of the main crew. He's just kind of there as an added attraction, Yeah, which is kind of what he was at the beginning of his career, where he was just sort of brought on in the same way that a TV show might cast Andre the Giant, which is like, oh my god, can you believe this thing is real? <laughs> and I think he's kind of in that place now where, you know, he's kind of a big deal when he shows up. It's kind of like, you know, the way the Kardashians are hired to just show up at a party. Mm. <laughs> There's that kind of vibe to it. But I think that this and Last Stand was this return to, hey, I'm top build in something again. That this thing is built around me. It's not just kind of neat that I'm show up, but I'm I'm really here as a fully you know integrated star again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's made uh, this this movie. Of course, is one of many times uh, in the last four years. It's weird to think that it's really only been like four years since he's been trying in earnest to be a, a star again. But one of the times that he's sort of playing with 
being a different type of character than you would normally expect, expect Arnold to be. But I think this is where we fall again on Todd. We want you to do with what all of our guests do is, if you can, for our listeners, can you try to summarize briefly what Escape Plan is all about? Okay, so Stallone plays this um, this genius prison break artist. And his whole job, he has this company that he gets into prisons and then breaks out of them to show the vulnerabilities in the prisons. And he's hired by the federal government to do the same to a, a, a black a black site prison somewhere in the world, right? While inside there, um, he finds that things are, of course, not as they seem <laughs> and has to figure out whether or not the Schwarzenegger character is friend or foe, and they may have to work together to get out. Very nice. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's... It I mean, that's, way, about, that's about all there is. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds better than than it actually is. That's a problem that I sort of had with it too. Is we've been waiting so long for these two guys to team up in a meaningful way. Their their rivalry has never really. It's kind of been a cold war. It was the eighties, after all. So it was a cold <laughs> war where there'd be the occasional shots fired in a movie, like you watch something like Twins or The Last Action Hero. And there'd be a little thing where Arnold is kind of ribbing him a little bit. Like in Twins, he sees that poster of, of Stallone in Rambo 3 on that wall, and he kind of holds his own muscles and just goes, ah, laughs and walks away. Um, it's little things like that where they were always kind of competing at the box office, and we've kind of wanted that movie where they, either they fight each other or they're going to team up. And I don't know, did we actually ever get it here? And I'm not sure we did. Hmm. I think, you know, obviously there's a fight scene. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's it's short, but I think it's decent, especially for two guys that age. Um, <laughs> right? But it is very much a buddy picture. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, these are, almost immediately, these guys are friends. Yeah. And it's a movie sort of about their bond more than the friction between these two. There's no real conflict. Yeah. They're, they're, they're fast friends. I just wanted to ask you too, because I know you have experts here uh, on on 80s movies. Which was the better buddy co- cop going to prison team up movie, Tango and Cash or Escape Plan? Oh, Tango and Cash. <laughs> uh, escape Plan. <laughs> uh, it's a lot It's a lot like that movie, except they they don't have a scene where Arnold and uh, and Stallone are insulting the size of each other's penises in the shower. Maybe they needed to be, though. <laughs> I mean, I, wouldn't this have been a... I think that's the thing that the 80s movies had, where there was a certain bodiness to them, that I'm not really sure this movie ever has. It feels so restrained, and it feels like a copy of a copy of a copy of what this movie would have been if they'd made it in 1993. So that's one interesting point is that Stephen E. D'Souza, I read this in the IMDb trivia, which we know is always factual oh, yes. and correct, um, that Stephen E. D'Souza made, made comment about how uh, he thought that the plot of this movie was eerily similar to the script for Commando 2 that he'd written. Where Arnold Schwarzenegger's character goes to prison and has to team up with someone to to get to get broken out. But I'll say with a bit of, like with a lot of skepticism, there are probably lots of movies where Arnold goes to prison, written and then never never actually made. There's a lot of buddy prison escape movies. I mean, there's no. I mean, that's what I found myself thinking a lot about while watching this is how often I've seen it, but how often I've seen it done better. Not to just rag on this movie sort of constantly, but Guardians no, no, of the no, Galaxy rag. has a better, I'm escaping from prison with a bunch of people I don't get along with really well kind of a dynamic. And you mentioned Tango and Cash. Yeah. And, I mean, even like the Shawshank Redemption, which is a lot more serious than Escape Plan is, 
Well, notice that they that this movie has at least enough restraint to not use prison rape as either a set piece or a joke. Thankfully. Yeah, I mean, uh, because you've seen that too much. So, yeah, there are certainly, like, some tropes, some prison movie tropes that you're they're going to go through here. But it seems like it's been well scrubbed of it being, like, a dirty, gritty, kind of gross, disgusting kind of prison movie, you know? Yeah. I think you both brought up something that I wanted to comment on with that. Now, this thing was not a theatrical release, correct? Was it? No, it was. Was? Yeah, that's it was. what I got. Yeah, I assumed. Okay. It definitely was. I saw it in the theaters. So. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I missed it. Okay. <laughs> but um, for, for a flick like this, I found that it was carefully restrained. And I appreciated that it was as understated for the... I mean, this is a movie that has Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's trying to increase his star again. Uh, Stallone, uh, who's similarly trying to hold on to a, a career, um, <laughs> is an attempt made. <laughs> Vinnie Jones, yeah, you know? oh, and yeah. to have to have people like this in a flick, and to have it as um, sort of understated as it is, and as I mentioned, there's not a lot of conflict between these characters. It's not a matter of they, these are two guys that don't get along who have to escape together. They actually seem to get along famously. Yeah, they're, they, they're, they're buddies. buddies. Like, they're right buddies of, pretty yeah. quickly. They're buddies even when they're fighting. <laughs> and, and I really appreciate that. And the reason that I, I wasn't even joking when I said that I liked it better than Tango and Cash is because I felt that there was a sincerity to the relationship between these characters that even if it was written where they were supposed to have more conflict, they just seemed to like each other. Yeah, I, I, I'll say this about this movie. I think I told you last night, Mike, that I don't think I ever want to see this movie again. There is one scene that I do like. So they've established, oh, well, this is where they are. They're on, I guess... We, we will spoil the spoil if there's this far in, but instead of being in some un- undisclosed location in, in you know, Guantanamo Bay or something, they're on a ship in the middle of the ocean. It's like an oil tanker. Yeah, and then no one, and no, and that's how they don't, that's how they're away, they're, they're off the grid. Um, they're sort of figuring out their plan. Oh, how do we get out of here? And the best part is they're in the commissary or the com- Babylon, the common room, and they're leaning up and they're sitting with each other and they're naming the guards with masks on after their hilarious, like, ticks. Like, one of the guys is, what, Chicken Man, because he looks around all crazy. And the other guy's Hives. Duck and Hives. Yeah, Duck and Hives. And I was like, that's, that's those, that moment is really good. That moment is, it's like, that's the best moment of the entire movie. And you wish they, they had more of that, where they are kind of learning to live the life together. They're discovering the prison together. That reminds me of, of Heat. Everyone yeah. was so excited to have um, De Niro and Pacino together, and even wrote scenes just so that they, you know, the and they have that they basically that one scene that you yeah. get together. That's they weren't even together for that, right? And it, right, and it's not, you know, there's the chemistry is not quite there. Whereas this is that this is that thing. I don't know if it's what it is that we were waiting for. It's not this explosive conflict, but it's just like two friends naming the teachers. <laughs> yeah, you know what yes. I mean? Right. Yeah. Right, right. Those little bits that do feel organic. I like that. I just wish this... I, maybe this is like Freddy versus Jason or it's like Alien versus Predator where this is a movie that just came out 10 years too late. Yeah. That yeah. if maybe this had happened earlier, we would have had more of that physicality that's a part of the Arnold Stallone experience. Because these guys are in their mid-60s when they're making this movie. So there's just stuff that they cannot realistically be asked to do anymore. Even that fight scene that you talk about is one where it's, you know, stunt doubles and quick cuts. And just like, it doesn't look like those two guys are actually hitting each other. Because they're not. Right. You know? And the the bits, the character bits are kind of great between the two of them. But I kind of want that physicality on top of that chemistry. Because I see the movie that we could have gotten if these guys had talked to each other 
in like 1989 and said, hey, we're both at the top of our game. Let's do something. I think they, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've always kind of got the impression with their rivalry that Stallone took it a lot more seriously than Arnold did. That if you look at their careers, they're kind of uh, opposites in terms of how they came into it. Like mm. I mentioned before that Arnold was sort of the um, Andre the Giant Lurch type, which is that if you need a heavy that just looks really impressive to appear on your TV show, you hire this guy and you're like, oh my God, those muscles don't seem real. Where Stallone came into his career as like an artist. I mean, yeah, he yeah. he started out getting nominated for both, you know, best original screenplay and best actor in Rocky, which won Best Picture. So yeah. I think that colors the rest of his career, where he wants to do something that is taken seriously artistically at mm -hmm. the same time. And his movies, even like the you mentioned, both Rocky and Rambo, started out as sort of gritty 70s pictures, which slowly transitioned into Schwarzenegger-style 80s action. Where you like look at Rocky One, you're like, there's no way he's going to be driving a Lamborghini with a robot butler by part four, <laughs> but he totally is. And like Rambo is like single handedly taking out like the Russian army in in part three, and it's right. like this isn't the kind of movie when he joins the Mujahideen. Yeah, it's, it's a Rocky and Taliban v Russians. So yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's kind of weird the path this took. Where Arnold started there and seems more comfortable being in schlock, but it's like there's that part of art. That, that I think Stallone doesn't want to let go of. And I think that's a lot of that in this movie, and I think that, that kind of restraint hurts it a little bit, well, where it wants to kind of be Ocean's Eleven yeah. rather than Tango and Cash. So, so that therein is another problem is they wanted to create, they have this, they're basically there's a side plot involving the company, Ray, Ray Breslin, Stallone's company, where the, the sort of his partner and financial guy who's played... I think great by Vincent D'Onofrio, who oh, has yeah. this weird affectation of being OCD and putting, you know, alcohol in his hands all the time and handing things over with napkins. Like it's a, it's an interesting little flair to the character that he gives because he ends up betraying them and ultimately being the being one of the bad guys. But there's this side plot about like, oh, Ray Breslin disappears and we're trying to get him back and this guy's betraying him. That really you don't care about. Um, and this is sort of matched along with. Jim Caviziel, who plays the warden of this, who's sort of like he's like the calm, quiet. Don't you know? He, he's he's bubbling beneath the surface. You could see ticks in his face, getting him upset. He's kind of a little Hannibal Lectory. Like yeah. he's always cleaning his suit off, and yeah. he's like a lepidopterist. Right. He's what? like that butterfly. <laughs> I mean, these are serial killer hobbies in a movie. Yes. No, he's pretty much coated like a monster. Both bad guys are OCD, like weird. You right. know, they've got a monster beneath the surface of them. Both of those two guys. But I just those two plot points, sort of like the behind the scenes Vinnie Jones with Jim Caviziel, and then like the bit the BD from The Wire and. 50 cent um like i don't care about any of that as soon as like as soon as they establish what ray blazen does for a living i don't care because as i've said before about action movies in the pre the the common era to have that born identity thing where the the you know the bad guys quote unquote just have a room full of people with computers and are tracking things down by GPS not interesting that is boring that makes the movie less interesting and they do have to they have to do a lot of that to keep setting up this weird meta plot with Jim Caviezel being a bad guy because the the big twist is that it's not actually a black site prison it's like an old boy prison. It's like old boy. Yeah. Gym. I don't know if you've seen, you know, the 2003 movie old boy where yeah. you basically rich people can just give a private prison money to lock up someone they hate. 
Um, it's got that. And it seems like D'Onofrio is just like, hey, this is a good way to advertise your old boy jail by locking up the <laughs> ultimate guy, escape artist. And once you do that, you can throw anybody in there. And what's kind of weird, I mean, we're in definitely the post-post-9-11 era, that yeah. nobody seems to blink an eye at the idea of, like, a jail where people were disappeared at the beginning of the movie, and people don't have trials, and I'm like, um, uh, isn't this, like, completely illegal? Why do none of the main characters have a problem with this? No, the, and the whole notion of why it exists economically doesn't make any sense either, if by the time there's a riot, all of the, the soldiers... All of the guards are breaking out with live ammunition and mowing people down. Why would they bother to pay you if you weren't going to keep them, didn't intend on keeping them alive? If you have no problem murdering these people, why didn't you just it's, do the same thing where Vinnie Jones is like, you know, kills that guy while Stallone is in a drug state? Why don't you just do that? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Anyways, corpses don't escape. Anyways, that was obviously just to make a setup to make the super prison. Oh, we talk a little bit about that super prison? Yeah. Um, the fact that the guards kind of looked like backup dancers in an early 90s music video where they've got these black mannequin masks and like these like turtlenecks and paintball armor and baseball caps well they were more like the um weren't they kind of like the party city version of the thx 1138 <laughs> yes, <laughs> right, yeah they were the guys grooving grooving getting down yeah for a, they didn't show close-ups of their faces for a long time i'm like yeah. are those guys wearing face makeup the whole time <laughs> yes. do they have to go and they were re- they were reverse mimes instead yeah. of white it's black paint and it just it was so weird. I'm like, wait, are they robots? I really can't tell. <laughs> if you go to Joanne Fabrics in the aisle where you buy like the feather boas and sequins, that's where you find those styrene masks that no. they're wearing. So they just spray paint black and then you've got yourself a futuristic guard. You got it. Well, I mean, you know, it doesn't even have this movie doesn't even have the flare since it's set in the present day. It doesn't even have like the flair that, say, the Running Man could have, and where what you're viewing is some kind of crazy projection of the near future when things are lawless, where you have this kind of animalistic prison. No, it's just kind of antiseptic, and like they, there's obviously the set designer probably had a fun time designing like how all the cells of the prison are on platforms and clusters of six, like honeycombs or whatever. Like catwalks. Yeah, it's, it's like a Magneto jail where you're in a glass cube. I, mean, I it's thought of o- that exactly. It's okay, yes, but we've obviously seen it before yeah. and it doesn't, it doesn't, for some reason that's not what makes it more unbreakable. Like, it's, it, uh, I guess yeah. I wanted more of a sci-fi element to this jail. And, yeah. and of course, mentioned the jail in the movie Face Off, where they have those magnetic boots that they can stop <laughs> fights with. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, then, then they have, like, the technician in the movie that's like Joe Bob Briggs. And I guess I want more elements of that to make this jail seem like the sort of place that you'd throw Snake Plissken. Mm-hmm. I want a crazy jail. I want something that's a bit more sci-fi. And maybe this movie should have taken place in the near future. But in the end, maybe that's a budgetary issue. See, I felt again that this movie actually is a it's a sincere attempt at making um, sort of a, a, a reverse caper. Um, mm. I don't think that they're trying to make it a sort of exploitive. Here's these two titans together, as much as it really does feel like there's a sincerity to making a sincere thriller. Um, I'm using the word sincere too much, um, <laughs> but I, I felt that a lot from it. For instance, I felt that I mean with black site prisons. There's always a matter of legality. And that's the whole idea, right? And it gets even easier to have something that's black if it's out at sea. Right. More than being escape-proof, if you just go from the legality standpoint. So I felt like they were trying to be realistic in that in that sense. As opposed to, oh, you'll never get out of here. Because, shit, a drop ship comes, you know, a helicopter comes and saves the day. Right. Which is one of the more inexplicable parts of the film, in my opinion, mm. but... You know, you understand what I mean there. There's a lot of things that I felt like they're just, they're not trying to forecast the future at all. And they're not trying to come up with something batshit crazy. They're just trying to come up with something that's plausible. 
I suppose so. Uh, and of course, it it's all in service of the fact that the the meat and potatoes of this movie is the escape plan. I mean, the idea is that, and they they give you a preview because the beginning of the movie is showing Stallone's character breaking out of just a regular old prison and him doing him figuring stuff out, and you get the montage, and it's pretty satisfying. Um, clearly, the director can construct that pretty well. I think yeah. I think there's I think they did a decent job of sort of explaining it. the The issue is is that like it the uh, this prison doesn't seem particularly awesome or inescapable or insurmountable because all of the weird stuff about it is just for show, and it just ends up that all Stallone has to do is sort of like take the bolts out of a out of a you know out of a hatch somewhere, and then nope, he's he's out. Yeah, that's it. It was kind of weird for me. I I think my main beef was it was in this weird gray area that didn't pull too far in the direction of big dumb action, but it also didn't feel smart enough. To go for a full on like Ocean's Eleven heist movie, yeah. Because I think the real the real thing you want with a, like a heist caper escape movie is that you kind of want it to be a magic trick, where the main characters don't tell you everything. You get enough of it to know if the plan is going right or wrong, and then at the end uh, they go, "Oh, no, here's how I really did it." And there's always that last twist, that one thing that you think that they're done for, but that's all part of the plan. And they never quite got that in this one. I think the escape at the beginning was a bit better on that front yeah. than the one at the end. Um, it, it's far better. I think you hit the nail on the head there, too. It is satisfying at the beginning. There's a couple things that I thought about the beginning versus the rest of it. It's a smarter escape. It seems mm-hmm. more challenging for him. Uh, for instance, when he's on the ship and he's in the solitary, when he's in the box, the hot box, um, He's already described in detail how he's going to break the heads off of the the bolts using heat expansion, right? So when he does it, we're already past that. Then he's able to get into this conduit, right? Where he causes a massive flood and somehow still they, they, you know, no question, no problem. They're on cameras and they're all just focused on the guy who's complaining. And that's all dumb compared to the stuff that we saw in the real prison at the beginning. And one of the principal differences about the beginning versus the rest, too, is that Stallone isn't talking. Yeah. yeah, And there's something that I thought about. Um, there was a line where one of them says, uh, I think Schwarzenegger says in the mess hall to, to Stallone, he says, you don't look that smart. And the reply is, you don't either. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought about that at the beginning, how Stallone, especially when he's not talking, he's actually really good at using his face, using his eyes in particular. Yeah. Yeah. And he was doing that a ton during that beginning, that beginning montage. And there is that height heightened tension that is lacking from the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that, that sense of speed and the action doing all the work and not any dialogue that really makes the difference there. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, this, this ultimately has to fold back into a, it's funny that it feels this is not really an Arnold ish, an Arnold type movie at all until you get to the last 25 minutes of the oh, movie. Or he pulls a gun off the helicopter. Or even just before that, when they pull a gun in, a, in the riot, they pull guns off the guards and they start sort of doing a chase through the, the ship, shooting up. Right. It's like everything else is not, is a prison break movie. And then it becomes just an action movie where they're escaping from a ship. They abandon um, the idea of it being a heist and it just becomes right, an action movie. Right. right. So, um, uh, you know, for the things that we love about Arnold, like, as you said, it starts to. It only feels like it's really an Arnold movie instead of Arnold just playing a small role in a, in a Stallone Prison Break movie. At the end, when the helicopter comes down and lands, and he pulls off the mounted machine gun and then carries it, you know, like uh, like T two Terminator two style, and mows down a bunch of guys. Which there's an impossible amount of guys on this ship. <laughs> they have to pay all those guys. But yeah, the, and then he has the. He actually has. He has like two Arnold ish lines mm-hmm. in this movie that I'm. 
I can only imagine that they were after the fact they, they were scripted for him, right? Yeah. It, Have a lovely day, asshole. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> there's no I'll be back either, so yeah, you couldn't work that in. I guess that's the thing is that I think there's an expectation that comes more with Arnold than with Stallone. I think Stallone has branched out a lot more than Arnold because Arnold kind of takes Arnold with him even when he goes into comedy or he goes into drama. Right. And unless he's actively trying to subvert that with something like Maggie, you kind of want that physicality to be there. But the movie isn't smart enough to be Ocean's Eleven, but it's not dumb enough to be Tango and Cash. Yeah. And I kind of wish it would pick a side. I want it to, if it's going to be something where Arnold kind of blows me away by, oh, wow, I didn't expect to see him in this kind of a movie. That would be great, because sometimes that does happen. But I think in the end, you just kind of go, well, would this movie have been better if it had been like Bruce Willis and Kurt Russell in this? I don't know, because it feels like these guys are kind of inappropriate for the movie. You you could be right. I keep going back to the same thing about this, but you think about the cast. So we have the always excellent Amy Ryan. Oh, yeah. Right. Yep. D'Onofrio, who can be real wackadoodle, but did a great job. <laughs> right. Um other titans such as like Sam Neill as the doctor. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's such a weird appearance for a guy that has an arc but no, no totally flat. He just disappears after his arc is over. Yeah. Right. And and you mentioned Jim Caviezel who tends to be really good in a lot of things, then Red Line for instance. Yeah. Um and so it kind of reminds me again, it feels like they're trying to make something different than what we expect. Mm-hmm. I don't think they succeed, but I think they're trying to. It reminds me of um JCVD yeah. You guys seen that? Yeah. Yes. And you remember that that's the one where Van Damme, for our listeners, where he comes back and he plays older Van Damme very straight and tries to be, you know, an actual actor. Yeah. Doesn't rely so much on the muscles from Brussels. Um, it, it reminds me of that in a sense. And, and by the way, that one is what, a bank robbery movie, right? Yep. Yeah. So yep. it's not, it's got to be in somebody's mind that let's do something along those lines. And I don't think mm-hmm. it's as successful with it. Yeah, because it's still anchored to that expectation that there's enough of that stuff in there because they know that fans want it. But I'd rather they just abandon it outright and just go, hey, let's have a movie that isn't about these guys being strong. Let's do the movie about these guys being smart. Right. And that would be completely different. And it would be kind of nice, but it feels like they're afraid to really commit to that. I agree. They they did try to make a movie about them being smart, but in so many of the scenes, it is about them... (laughs) Because in, in the end, they're just going to punch the crap out of these guys. Well, let, let's just put it this way. When we were doing our last stand uh, episode, which was the movie right before this, where Arnold is trying to do a little more, the parts of that movie when Arnold is trying to be the clever detective and putting stuff together are the parts of that movie where you're just like, uh, uh, this doesn't, you don't want this him doesn't to be, work. Yeah. And so in this movie, like he's... Better being the sidekick of Stallone. I think that I think that part actually works. Is he's better being the guy that Stallone relays his plan to, so the audience can know it, and he can be the foil for the exposition. Um, but yeah, you want Stallone to get in on part of it too. Like I said, just that scene where they're naming hives and duck and chicken man, like more of that, more where they're feeding each other, and it feels like they they're collaborating more than just like, oh, I'll let you punch me so we can get we can move the plot along, you know. Yeah, it just kind of feels like there's moments where they're like, okay, we need to have plot now. Let's do that. <laughs> let's and, let's start a riot. That's it. Was like for things to happen, eh, let's start a riot. Yeah, we're on page forty five. There needs to be an action <laughs> beat. It, it feels a little bit like that, where the moments like talking about you know Chicken Man and Duck and Hives and stuff that does feel organic, and I want that other stuff to feel that organic, and I wonder kind of if that's one of them going hey i got kind of an idea what if we do this and that felt better than the written material i think that this is a script that if it had been written 
by Stephen D'Souza, or if it had been written by someone like, say, Shane Black, this would have been a lot more fun. Yeah. And it's those little things. It isn't just the plot elements. You could keep the same plot beats in the whole movie. You know, like the doctor helps them, and they team up with that Muslim prisoner, and, you know, they build that sextant out of, like, medical supplies and eyeglasses, and they they have a whole scheme where the Muslim prisoner pretends to turn on them so that he can uh, go up and pray under the open air, but he's really just using the sextant. That stuff's clever and cool. Yeah, yeah. And I like that, but... It just needs to be, you know, kind of, that's the bones. That's not the movie. It's those little things that kind of give it that organic humanity that didn't feel like they were enough of it on there with a good writer, um, or at least a good, you know, script puncher upper, you know, that go in there <laughs> and fix that stuff up so that that stuff would work in the way that the the thing with them talking about the guards works. Yeah. I, I also found this very interesting when I was, I was listening to, when I go back when I go back through other times, I try to just listen to the movie as opposed to watch it. And I realize this is odd because it's a prison movie and because it's about hatching a plan. Most of the dialogue that happens, almost all the dialogue between Stallone and Schwarzenegger is whispered. So think about the, your average sort of action movie, especially your good kind of Arnold movie. It's not about whispers, only maybe in moments you know, of, of sort of heightened tension. It's mostly about like, get to the chopper. It's like Arnold and Stallone are really our best when they're yelling yeah. and, uh, and the shit's blown up all around them. So it's, it is also part of the, what marks the interesting dual nature of this movie is that like most of this movie is whispering yeah. <laughs> in between klaxons and riots. It's, it's mostly whispering. just hanging out in the cafeteria talking. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And I enjoyed that about it. Yeah. I kind of wish it would have gone more in that direction yeah. and less in the, Grabbing the M60 and running around the the deck of the ship. Yeah, I I mean it's it is it's so funny. It it felt like they were so insecure about the idea of having Arnold in a movie. That's the thing that I can't settle on. Is like I think we all want just in the same way we talk about Samuel L. Jackson. You want him to get angry and yell indignantly about something in a movie. Otherwise, you feel like you've been cheated. Yeah, I feel like similar something similar happened here with Arnold. Is we needed that moment where he said, you know. Have a lovely day, asshole. As he, as he was like fucking blowing them away with a you know with a machine gun off mounted off of a helicopter. Like if you didn't have that, if there could have been a more clever way, like you said, where there was sort of a a switch where Jim Caviezel thinks he's got him caught, but oh, he's really the you know he really got duped in the end. Then I think it would be then I think we'd have something more there. Um, I think the one thing that was interesting about this but as also a missed opportunity is who is rottmeyer like the spoiler is is that rottmeyer is supposed to be the bodyguard for another shady guy who steals money from banks or whatever i couldn't quite figure out what what the whole of the victor manheim the person he really is robs from the rich gives to the poor you heard that before he's good guy kaiser soze yeah (laughs) is what he is and it's not earned and it's no. obvious early in the film. So when Stallone says, I didn't see that coming, you're like, <laughs> my three-year-old saw that coming. Yeah, I, I wish that they, they built it up. They could have had the whole movie with Arnold talking about this other guy that he really is or defending his actions and going, hey, he's my boss. Hey, you, you're not being fair there or something like that. So when that switch happens, he's like, ah, and winks at the camera a little bit. You know, they, they uh, apart from the cover story that they give Stallone's uh, character, they don't mention what anyone in the prison has d- done to be there, right? They don't. So maybe they're political prisoners. Maybe they're suspected terrorists or whatever. Maybe they're heads of criminal organizations. You don't know. The only thing you know about is that they make up a cover story about him being a bomb maker, and that 
Arnold's character is a Robin Hood type who must have some otherworldly firepower because why he's well, so dangerous. It's like they're all from Cobra, where they don't really have an ideology, <laughs> but they want to take over the world and they want to bomb things. It's like there's... You fools! And that would have been a flavor to actually be there, because if you're going to bring the idea of it being a black site prison into the story anyways, you, you've kind of opened the box that says, okay, we're going to have some political content in this well, movie, but they, then they just abandon it No, right they kind away. of just, like, all the guys look like just like they're from Oz, right? They, yeah. don't, they don't look super special or super dangerous. They could have at least given someone an eye patch or something yeah. or a big scar across their face because the most you get is the the nazi guy with the tattoos yeah that's about his that's his character arc right there is, <laughs> is it i'm scary looking and i've got a skinhead i did like though uh i don't remember the actor's name he played captain robow from the star trek 2009 reboot and he played dr doom right in the first iron man movie mm-hmm. um he him playing the the muslim guy who helps him out who who helps them out in their plan i think he i think he out of, out of a sort of a auxiliary character had the most to do where you're sort of like well we can invert what you would expect about a guy who's muslim being in a black site security prison you know like and he's someone who's like he's maybe even he's a little insane over being there at the beginning he's sort of like screaming and yelling and going hey we're going to babylon like going crazy there was like something there there was he's like as a little... close as you get to actually being a character yeah. where there's just a bunch of what we would call in the the dungeons and dragons world npcs yeah <laughs> they're just like when you play a final fantasy game there's people just wandering around the town who have one thing they say it it's just like that's what this movie kind of needed is it needed to make these characters and again i'm going to reference shawshank redemption which also had an evil corrupt warden and a head guard who's just an evil brutal asshole mm-hmm. but they also made the prisoners characters and Aside from, you know, the reason Arnold and Stallone are talking to each other, because they're the only people who have characters. Um, And I think you needed a bit more of that. You needed to really illustrate how scary this place is. You needed to see a guard do something truly terrible. You needed to, to get a sense of there really is no escape. And... I, it isn't just that I didn't recognize this guard, and oh my, he has my book. <laughs> By the way, he was really fucking lucky that he didn't have an author photo yeah. in the back of that yeah. book suddenly. Yeah. But the fact that um, that there's that twist of I'm in the wrong jail that I thought I was going to, um, I you really have to say, bam, no, you're really not getting out of here, and your life is like a living hell. It's like you've been captured by Mordor or something. <laughs> you got to have that vibe of, like, this is serious crap, that I thought it was just inescapable, but it's actually monstrous. And I don't know if they really sold that as well as they could have. No, no. Well, it, feels like, um, it feels like they're in the common area of Pacific Rim much of the time. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> There's nothing but metal cafeteria There's tables. A Jaeger at the end. I, I, I think for I think a lot of the I think it's sort of a lot of the disappointment about the um, about this the the way the prison looked itself could be an economic one could be a budget thing because it seems like they just oh we're just in a factory here that already has these big doors and we'll put up fences along the side here and put some tables here and you know on on these catwalks we'll have the guys walking around so bing bam boom we got a prison you know like in that sense like it kind of. The other one looks like at least they filmed the outside at a real prison in the first sort of first scene. Is like, oh, this looks feels somewhat like a real prison. It felt real. Yeah. Where the other one, it felt a bit. I don't know. Again, student film. Yeah, student film. Where it feels like you put a couple props on top of a factory, and I mean, you're kind of going for that when it's on an oil tanker. But I want it to feel more like a cohesive place that feels like it's lived in and has a purpose. And I mean, yeah, the prison should have been a character. Yeah. 
That's what you got to do. You yeah. got to make it feel like this is a thing that's impossible to get out of. Because in Shawshank Redemption, the prison had a character all of its own, right? And, yeah. And what it, the effect it had on the people. Yeah. I mean, if you had a thing in the middle of the movie where Stallone does his usual thing and it seems to be working, but the the guards and the warden are so sadistic that they let him get really far just so they could break him. He needs yeah. to fail several times at what he's really good at. Yeah. Instead, the the worst we see is that for some inexplicable reason, he launches a water main cap off. <laughs> yeah. Like, very well designed. Right. He rips out some wires and that makes the water main explode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it needs something more. You, you, have to have, you need to have the moment where Stallone is at his lowest point. And he I never gets there. No, it always kind of feels like he kind of always has a little way out or he's a little bit ahead of the warden. There's got to be a moment where the warden just goes, nope, I read your book. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, did, did you guys follow the subplot with the house and the, the kid? Oh, yeah. No, well, this is, yeah, this is the reason why Ray Breslin does this for a living. He was a prosecutor that put bad criminals away. And one and and one of those bad criminals broke out of prison and killed his daughter, and so he's gonna he's gonna basically devote his life to making sure that no one can ever break out of prison again. It feels is, convoluted. It's a little convoluted. But most prisoners aren't gonna be like him. I bet you it was something a lot more basic, like somebody forgot to lock a door, or yeah. you know he snuck so, in through the laundry. So that was that's the one thing that I was actually thinking is I was uh I was reading this is a couple a year ago or so I was reading about prison escapes like in rural jails and stuff, and that's usually why. People actually break out of jail. Not people often don't break out of like the large federal prisons. But if you break out of jail, it's usually because somebody does someday something stupid and human, and they leave a door unlocked, and then oh, okay, well they find a way to get out. Like that is a little. That's a little more along the, the lines of that's what he should be doing, right? Yeah, that's what Ray probably does. He should be like tighter regulations on this. Like you should have two people at all times, and you should do this. It shouldn't be like oh yeah, and we're gonna pull the inside of this like chocolate milk box <laughs> off and use it to why, get your fingerprints. Why would they put a keypad within reach, arm's reach of the door? Because if he's going to be in there all day anyways, he's got nothing to lose just reaching out there and hoping yeah. to get lucky. Eventually, he's going to get it. <laughs> that subplot is lifted directly out of a Walking Dead episode. Oh, is it really? Yeah, there's an episode where the Morgan character, it's, uh, it's just him and um, and sort of his mentor. That, I don't know if you guys watch the show. Yeah, all, yeah. But, um, and the, his mentor is explaining to him um, how there was a prisoner that he worked with um, who basically got out and murdered his wife and daughter. And so oh. then he devoted his time. He made his own, he welded his own jail cell and he caught the guy and basically tortured him and starved him to death in that, in that cell. Um, but it's that same, same exact thing. It's like somebody watched that episode and said, yeah, that's let's, it. Let's do that, let's but not do as that. good. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but with no emotion at all. Oh, and it's weird because they don't really revisit it. Even though it's his chief motivation, it doesn't come back in the plot at all. And it, it would be one thing if if Arnold had been that guy. Because now I have to work with this guy who's the worst, but Ooh. I need him. Yeah. Because he's the only person who's as good as escaping as I am. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, there's this plenty of have, yeah. there's plenty of shortcomings to the movie that we could clearly could, we could talk for the runtime of the movie about the shortcomings of the movie. But I was trying to get to distill down to the things about it that were Arnold, because yeah. although he's not the main character, he's definitely no. he's a co-star. Um, you hit like a vegetarian 
That's a great line. It's definitely an Arnoldism that they probably grafted on there. That's not bad. It's not a bad line. Yeah. It's it's the best Arnold thing in the movie. Yeah. And he also, his delivery is good, because he says it, and you can hear the smile in his voice when he says it. He is smiling when he says <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. He just goes, he just laughs and just goes, you hit like a vegetarian. It's a, it's a good line. Well, and so I was also trying to think of, uh, we don't, I think there's only one other movie that you hear him speak German in, and that's in Kindergarten Cop when he's... Mm-hmm bringing in the the woman into the hotel but in this one he he has a freak out that draw in the, in the box that distracts the warden's attention and he's like i'm going crazy and then he starts doing the lord's prayer and doing the bible and then when jim Caviziel steps in he goes du bist das teufel you are the devil and i was like that he should have said that in end of days yeah. he missed his opportunity for him to say du bist das teufel but well, technically, if it's his Jim Caviezel, he is. This is Jesus. That's now. true. That's, that's right. True. Well, yeah, he's playing opposite Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> other than that, other than that, and what we've discussed before, sort of at the end, the kind of improbable helicopter escape with lots of so many uh, di- digital blood spatters and digital sparks and squibs. But is you know? Caviezel a good shot or what? I mean, he yeah. can't. Oh my god! With that pistol, yeah, yeah. he shot ra- part of the ladder, but he yes. can't shoot solo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is certainly this is action movie plausibility, uh, but like you, you don't, you don't, we don't know enough about Jim Caviezel's character to know even if he could fire a weapon. You know, no, I mean, because the movie isn't that kind of movie up no. until then. No, maybe there needs to be something that shows that, like maybe he occasionally he lets somebody think that they're escaping so that he can just gun them down for target practice. No, oh. maybe he's got a sniper rifle that he just kind of goes, <laughs> <laughs> and then they just throw them into the water. Or they they take all the the things on them that would be recognized or they get eaten by sharks. I mean, it's going to be something, <laughs> something that makes it, you know, what does this guy do for fun other than have his butterfly collection? He docks Vinnie Jones pay. Yes. I, yes. It seems he, like he's playing with fire moment there. for him in that film. You can see he so enjoys like a month pay. It's the worst thing that can happen. Not, not what any other criminal bad guy in an action movie would do, which is just kill him. Like right there. Right. You just, expect something terrible. Yeah. He docks him a month. Uh, I, I, I'll I say that at the end, I've played enough video games in my life to know that if the barrels are going to explode, the barrels have to be painted red. Oh, I don't yeah. know why the barrels were blue in this. It didn't make any sense. Maybe that's a twist. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, they're not going to explode. They're blue. The deck of the ship is red. Ooh. So. Oh. Oh. That's right. I also know if it's if it's blue, it's probably ice. Oh, if it's, so they're going to be frozen? It's, yeah. If it's green, I think it's acid. Yes. <laughs> it's like Pokemon now? Uh, no, no, it's, it's just convention. It's yeah, convention. It's, it's Duke Nukem basics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I think the only other part that I had sort of had that I wanted to talk about is Sam Neill is interesting that when he shows up in the he basically shows up in the middle of the movie. He's around for like fifteen twenty minutes of it, and I, I love best is that he's starting to doubt based on Stallone nagging him about the Hippocratic Oath, um, and he's sitting at his desk slipping on some medicinal whiskey. Uh, and reading reading the book on medical ethics. He's got his textbook out, you know, from when he was an undergrad. He's like, man, I'm glad I brought this medical ethics book with me. I probably I should have read job. it before I took a job <laughs> at a black site <laughs> <Yes>. prison. <laughs> oh, oh, is that... Have we beat up on this movie enough? Oh, yeah, Are we there? I, I don't really know what else there is to say that isn't a, isn't just you know continuing to club that dead horse because <laughs> this movie is not great. The thing is, it's not not great, but it's not bad enough to be truly memorable. No, there's a few nice touches in it though that I think we should the wipes. Acknowledge. There's lots of wipe transitions. 
Looks there like you're are. watching fucking Star Wars in this movie. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or Battlefield Earth. There are lots of wipes there. <laughs> the um the license plate on the getaway vehicle at the beginning. I don't know if you guys noticed oh, that. Yeah. What it, what is it? Link Ray. Link Ray. Yes. Yeah. To the the Rocket Billy no, no, guy. No, 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 yeah. Yeah. Right. Just uh, an, a pointless nod that I really appreciated. Um, <laughs> let's see what else. In the fight, I'm sure you guys both noticed the suplex. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It definitely did a suplex. Right. There's hardly any moves in that. It's mostly like four punches and a suplex. <laughs> a suplex. So I enjoyed that. Um, geez, I think that might be it. <laughs> the number of things you enjoyed was two two items long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, shall we ask him the question? The the big question. The, big... the question that we've spent the last hour answering. Yeah, yeah. So so is the is Escape Plan a good movie? Arnold decide is Escape Plan good? I expected it to be a shit film. And it kept my attention, not just because I was taking notes on it, because I have to talk about this flick, <laughs> but it was all right. Um, and like so many action films, the last third was lacking, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I did very much enjoy, I like a good buddy picture, mm-hmm. and I felt that all things aside, these guys connected well as as buddies. Yeah. So I would not recommend it as a typical action flick to someone. But if they were interested in watching it, I wouldn't want them to go in expecting like a straight to video shitball like it looks like. Yeah, it would. You're you're right. And no, and my and my thought. I mean, I share the same thing. Is it's 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 really not a good movie, and it has very small elements of it that are that are kind of interesting and intriguing for you to throw Stallone and, and Arnold back together again. I think probably the biggest disappointment for me will be that they probably because this was not a box office success, they won't do this again. No. I don't. It'll it'll sort of be like the Stallone and uh, De Niro do old guys boxing each other sort of movie. Is it did so poorly? They're not, they're probably not going to do this again. And I, I don't even know if they're making another Expendables movie. So we probably missed out on our chance to have a really satisfying Arnold and Stallone team up. Um, so that that could that could effectively close off one of the fantasies, of, you know, '90s childhood fantasies. Unfortunately, so no, not a good movie. Yeah, it's... not recommended. I'm kind of in the same boat where it's just like it's okay in parts where there's parts that are almost good and that almost makes it more frustrating because I've seen the things that this movie does better and even fairly recently like the movie the movie Logan Lucky that I saw this year has a much more fun heist prison breaky movie and I kind of want more of that in in this movie. Mm-hmm. I want more of you know, bantering. I want something that's a little bit ahead of me and keeps me guessing and then has a thing at the end where I go, oh, and I slap my forehead and I go, I didn't think of that one thing. Like, I thought they were at their low part, but this is part of the plan. And either that or I want Tango and Cash. I want Face Off. I want that scene in Guardians where they escape from jail. I want the jail to be crazier or I want it to be realistic. it's, It's either Oz... Or it's Tango and Cash. I mean, there's this hmm. there's this scale, and it really doesn't commit to anything because I think it's afraid to. Um, and you know, I just I want more of it. There's clever bits, but they're almost not clever enough. But also, they just kind of create the contrast with the rest of the movie that makes me wish I was watching one of those other movies that it reminds me of. Yeah, so I just gotta say, eh. Nah, I hear you. All right, so now we need to ask the the once and final question. Is this a good 
Arnold movie, Todd, in the pantheon of Arnold? Is it a good Arnold movie? I think it is. Oh, okay. I do. And the reason I say that is because um, I don't think there's a scene... I, sh- I take that back. Most of the scenes that he is in, um, I feel that he's doing a really good job from a performance standpoint. The exception is like when he grabs the machine gun, the M60, off when he dismounts the M60. And they do a close-up of his eyes squinting like, all right. It reminds me, it, it, like he's real, like he, shit's really getting real. Yeah. It reminds me of The Rock in, um, what was The Rundown, where he keeps talking the whole flick about, you know, I don't like guns. And then he gets guns, and you expect something big, and it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so he's just, you know, firing a bunch of guys. You can't even tell if he's hitting them. Um, aside from that, though, I felt he did so much with just the, with that same glint in his eye that fails with the M60, that same glint leaning over a table whispering, I think he was able to do so much. And it reminds me of when you watch a YouTube video of him now criticizing Trump or something like that. Yeah. How I, I keep going back to this, but it, there's a sincerity, there's an authenticity that I think he communicates. Similar to um, there's an intelligence that Stallone's eyes communicate when he's not talking. <laughs> <laughs> and so i think that's something that's missing from any schwarzenegger film i've seen and as such deserves that attention Hmm. okay mike i I can sort of get that i i say no because it's it's a frustrating movie from an arnold perspective because i mean if i'd gone into this with this just being a movie I'd be less frustrated than watching it with the context of talking about it as an Arnold movie for an Arnold podcast. Because that shot, again, I guess we could say the priming the pump to disappointment shot of Arnold's eyes. <laughs> I go, oh, okay, here we go. Because that shot was an Arnold moment. Right. That's yeah. a thing where... But they don't follow up with it in the way they do with Commando, which is that each cut away is a reverse to a guy getting killed in a particularly like fat, you know, fashionable way. It's a guy behind a wall, or a guy falling off a roof, or a guy springing up and getting his, you know, getting his head blown off. They don't have any of that. It's all like way in the background, digital blood splatter. Anonymous. Yeah, it's you don't you don't you don't get that impact. But there isn't a sense of joy in it, and that's no, the that part. Too. Right. It, it feels so mechanical. Those bits where it feels like okay, we're meeting our our you know. Our plea bargain rules that we got to have these moments with Arnold. Yeah, it was a quota shot. Yeah, and it, it, it's well, it feels so like much of that. All, most of the gunplay for Expendables too is exactly the same way. Is that you just sort of obligatorily have to have a line of twenty bad guys with guns. You're shooting them off in a distance. You can tell it's weight like a shit ton of CGI, and most of the no, most of it's just not satisfying or personal in any way. I mean, then you, you can you can see an Arnold bloodbath in something else, like say the end of Commando or the police station scene in Terminator. Yeah, and. There's a uniqueness to the way he kills each, each person, where this one, it just kind of feels like he's using the spray gun in Contra, <laughs> yes. and he's just kind of hitting the button a bunch of times, and they're all just falling down, but not in fun ways, not in ways that have weight to them, or, you know, because that was always a thing. I think our friend Greg Hatcher has said this, that Arnold movies are kind of stealth comedies, that you kind of have to treat that as a pratfall at the same time the guy's getting gun down with machine gun fire <laughs> and you don't get enough of that it just kind of feels like okay they're dead moving on oh you're right and the, you get those pratfalls in commando yep and the only pratfall you get in escape plan is that goddamn water main yeah yes <laughs> yeah where i actually did chuckle I'm like what the fuck is happening they, they should have had the wee <laughs> sound <laughs> they had that sound effect in jurassic park when yes, nedry fell yes, down that's true 
true. It's just, but yeah, it's you can break that thing out there, let people know it's okay to have fun. And Arnold has always been good at those kind of moments. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know if this qualifies as an Arnold movie. Yeah. I mean, it feels like Sylvester Stallone parentheticals featuring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I guess there's those good moments where, of course, he pulls the machine gun on. I wish it was a larger machine gun. Like, cartoonishly large. I want more stupid feats of strength, maybe like a Bane backbreak or something somewhere in right. the movie with a guard. But the real big one, too, and this is my bias talking, is that I want more Arnold. I like Sylvester Stallone, like you do, Todd. But I like Arnold more. And I want him to get more Arnold moments. And you hit like a vegetarian and the line like, have a lovely day, asshole, and stuff like that. And I want more of that. But he doesn't even get to kill one of the major bad guys. He just gets to kill a bunch of the goons. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, this is what secondary bad guys like Vinnie Jones exist for. But Stallone gets to kill both him and Jim Caviezel. And I was like, come on, he couldn't have at least gotten a fight with Vinnie Jones? Yeah, you wonder about if this is just a part of the fact that this was Stallone's movie and Arnold was second chair always, you know. And so, of course, they were never going to have it way where Arnold got to be this, you know, killing the heavy or having a very satisfying... He's always going to have to be secondary to Stallone. And my, um, I agree. I mean, this isn't a good Arnold movie because it's a Stallone movie with with also Arnold. Right. And um, the stuff that's supposed to be like an Arnold movie feels tacked on to the end. Um, and the one thing I wondered was just, if you were to reverse that dichotomy and arnold was the main star of this movie and stallone was the uh was the guy on the inside who has to help him like you would have to change the movie so dramatically where it couldn't it could no longer function as a movie about a really smart guy who knows how to break out of prison it would have to be a different kind of movie altogether and that's i think probably the movie that we actually should have had is it could have just sort of had a uh what's the what's the one with uh magnum pi in it what was that lockup lockup no lockup was stallone Blockbuster Stallone. What are you Who thinking is, of? There's a Magnum PI movie where he's in. Uh, I forget the guy's name. Oh, the something Stone. It's based on a series of novels. No, well, it's no, it's it's called. It's not Lockup. Anyways, like it's a movie just like where it's rough inside, and you get you know you get more of the violence and gore and the intensity and the dehumanization that's in there. But uh, um, but Arnold, you know, get, gets in there and meets Stallone, and they have some. I don't know if they break out of it or whatever. Maybe they have to break out of it or something for it to work. But I feel like I want the movie in reverse. <laughs> that I don't want it to be Stallone's movie, also starring Arnold. That I would like it to be Arnold's movie, starring Stallone, and give Arnold a character worthy of Arnold. Uh, because if it's not that, it's not an Arnold movie. Yeah, I don't agree. I don't disagree with either thing that you guys are saying. But I think it has a lot to do with the expectations going in too. Um, I don't want an Arnold movie at this point. I know he's not mm. going to deliver an Arnold movie in the way that the Arnold movies I enjoy were. He's not going to. He's not going to be capable of that. I don't feel like I even want that because I'm not 13 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I was thinking about Jack Lemmon. I'm going to compare Jack Lemmon and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sure. Right. So Obviously. <laughs> so Jack Lemmon, if you look at his old films, you know, he's always dressing in drag, he's always a goof, you know, he's he's tremendous fun. And not just as a backup character, um, which sometimes he played, but even in starring roles. But then when you look later on in his career, um, I was watching China Syndrome the other night, mm -hmm. and, you know, he, a, a big turn for him. And then even up to movies like JFK, where he is so good at playing those straight, worrisome, heavy roles. And... But that's after decades of doing Jack Lemmon stuff. Yeah. So I imagine, um, you know, 
big tube vacuum mics and a bunch of people sitting around in a parlor somewhere doing whatever podcast version they did back in, you know, last century, talking about Jack Lemmon films like we are doing with Schwarzenegger. And I imagine three guys arguing over whether or not this is a Jack Lemmon film. <laughs> and ultimately, Are you trying to tell me that the escape plan is his, is Arnold's Glengarry Glenn Ross? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> it clearly is. No, but it's, I, I, I think that it's, I, no, obviously not. But it's, I think we're talking about two stars and particularly with Schwarzenegger who they can't they can't deliver what they used to deliver hmm. and a return to a return to acting for somebody like Schwarzenegger I don't think it's reason I appreciate that he's not trying to do last action hero that yeah. he's not doing send-ups of what he used to do or even worse just doing like sci-fi originals of 1992 Schwarzenegger films. Right. Yeah, right. I, I re- really appreciate that he's trying to do something different. I don't think he's coming in and trying to do vastly dramatic roles or anything. He still understands his wheelhouse. But I, I like that he's branching out and showing a maturity to his to his acting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Sure. And, and uh, we'll probably be returning to some earlier uh, Schwarzenegger films before we cast forward, but he's still got a decent number of films between Last Stand and this and current day uh, for us to be going back forward, for sure. There's some interesting choices in yeah. there. I mean, yeah. it's not... I mean, there are some movies we're going to be covering eventually that are not action movies that he's been in. Right. And it's going to be interesting seeing how he adapts to a world where, you know, it's been 10 years since he's been in a movie where he's supposed to take his shirt off. <laughs> it it occurs to me that we might uh that we're going to have a have a harder and harder time on any movie that was he's in past 2000 calling it an Arnold movie just because right. of him having to adapt his body and his performance to not being able to do that. That's true. Yeah. So it's a question of what is who is Arnold Schwarzenegger? Who is Arnold? <laughs> I really am excited about um the upcoming Jack Lemmon biopic that he's supposed to star in. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's great. really good. <laughs> Who's playing Walter Matthau? <laughs> Who is playing it's Stallone? Let's speculate. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, well, that's a great time to end it. Todd Matsfield Maximoto. What, Maximoto? <laughs> yeah, Maximoto works. Maximoto. <laughs> Maxfield Matsumoto. Maxfield Matsumoto. So, Todd, what are you working on these days? Plug something for us. <laughs> what am I working on? Um, I'm always building droids. Uh, I'm always building Star Wars R2-D2s um, with my son. He's 13, and he just built his own droid. Nice. Um, chopper. Chopper. Get to the chopper <laughs> from uh, Star Wars Rebels. That's great. Yeah, we do a lot of that. We do a lot of events with those. That's awesome. Definitely check those out, uh, Todd. Those things are impressive. I've seen those droids. Thank those you. Those are those are pretty amazing. Yeah, I think if you're hanging around a convention anywhere near Western Washington, you'll probably see Todd or some of his children in armor and stormtrooper armor. So don't shoot them. <laughs> Go up and say hi to them. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I think that's the show. Yeah, Let's... that's it. That's it. Well, thank you, folks. Again, this is our first episode of Podcast La Vista. Of course, recorded from beautiful Val Verde. Uh, ah, it's so humid in here. It is. Boy, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, the, it smells the, like bullets and communism. The, the malaria is just its out of control. Uh, so we'll catch you guys next month. Podcast de la Vista Baby is a production of Radio vs. the Martians and is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in beautiful Val Verde in Seattle, Washington. Our chief engineer is Casey Doran and our editor is Mike Gillis. 
Our original theme music was written and performed by James Wetzel, with opening narration by Dan Lombardo. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, Tobias Panshin, Scott Kramer, Kyle Hepworth, and Dan Lombardo. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And finally, you can find us online at podcastalavistababy.com and radioversusthemartians.com. Sometimes favors hurt. Really? Come on. Okay. See what you can do. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you hit like a vegetarian. Do I? <laughs> <laughs>